the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Good to see you here on Palm Sunday. You see that our chapel space, which has continued to evolve over the past few weeks, has been decked out for Palm Sunday. This is the day when the church remembers that day long ago when Jesus entered Jerusalem, when he was heralded as king. He was met with shouts of victory and praise and joy. People spread their cloaks out on the road, honoring this king riding into town. They didn't seem to care what happened to their clothing. Maybe they even wanted a a hoofprint souvenir of that day. We see in this account from the gospel writer Luke that the popularity of Jesus was in a crescendo mode. It was peaking. It was leading to a climax. Not only were people ready to just throw their cloaks down on the road, but apparently the phrase, the master needs it, was all it took to unlock resources of all kinds. Jesus, entering Jerusalem on a donkey that morning, fulfilled the words of the prophet Zechariah who had told the people, see your king comes to you, righteous, victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey. And Jesus that day caused the expectant and joyful people gathered along the road to take up the words of the old psalm, Psalm 118, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. With bows in hand, they joined the festal procession, just as the psalm said. Now, from our side of history, we can look back at that day and know already how the rest of that week was going to unfold. We know that Palm Sunday, which begins Holy Week, launched this this seven-day period on a high and festive and expectant note. But we also know that it was only days later that the crowd perhaps among them some of those same ones who had retrieved their cloaks from the dusty road that Sunday, the crowd would cry out, not Hosanna, but crucify. How could this all have happened? How could it all have happened so fast? Now, it's probably easy for us, probably tempting for us to assume, well, if we were there, we we wouldn't have done that. If we were among the crowd, especially if we had shouted Hosanna on Sunday, there's no way we would possibly be among those crying, crucify him five days later. And so we wonder what was going on with those people back in the time of Jesus. Well, I believe it's quite possible that at least part of what was going on among them was that they were suffering from from a disintegrated or a non-integrated life. And by this I mean they were looking at things Not from the whole, but from just a narrow view, a narrow focus that didn't allow them to take in all the details, didn't allow them to connect the dots of what was happening right in front of their eyes. They were partitioning portions of their lives when they were actually meant to live whole and holy and integrated lives. Now maybe you have found yourself at some point uh, to be a self-inflicted victim of rose-colored glasses. You realize that you've put on these lenses that have kind of allowed you to see the things you want to see, 
look at things as positively and optimistically as possible and, and screen out, blur out all those things that really should be warning signs to the contrary. Maybe there was a relationship with someone you really were anxious and eager and excited to pursue. And so you looked at those things that might be great about that relationship and didn't pay attention to all the signs that maybe this wasn't such a great match. Maybe there was a business opportunity that presented itself and you were excited about the possibility of, of a windfall, of an income, and you blurred out those very real possibilities of loss. Maybe the grass seemed greener in a different state, a different town. And so you pulled up stakes and made the move and realized when you got there, well, this grass isn't so different. Or maybe you realized you had actually transplanted many of your problems along with you. I think that's a bit of what was happening on that first Palm Sunday. Not that Jesus ended up not living up to his reputation. Not that he turned out to be too good to be true because his kingdom was actually far greater than anyone there imagined at that time. But because people were choosing to look at him only through a certain lens. They chose to look at him through the lenses of their hopes and honestly their desires rather than seeing Jesus with a clear view of reality. They were hoping, beyond hope, that this Jesus was in fact the promised Messiah. They were hanging their hopes on him. They hoped he was the fulfillment of scripture, that he'd be the one to rescue them, to deliver Israel. And so they were very comfortable with the rose-colored glasses that allowed them to see Jesus only through this optimistic and narrow and honestly self-centered point of view. They were more than willing to praise Jesus as king that morning, as the fulfillment of scripture, the one who would, who would restore the fortunes of, of Israel. They were more than ready to step aside that day and let this donkey-riding king do his thing, to, to trot into Jerusalem, to overthrow the Roman authorities. After all, they assumed, what kind of king would not depose Herod, set himself up on the throne of David himself? Well, as it turns out, the, the kind of king who didn't head straight to Herod's palace, but headed to the Hebrew temple instead. The kind of king who, instead of kicking Herod off his throne, kicked the money changers out of the temple. The kind of king who, instead of showing Herod who was boss, told his fellow Jews, what are you doing to my father's house? Why have you turned a house of prayer into a den of thieves and robbers. Jesus ended up being the kind of king who instead of claiming a throne, later that week would get up from his seat in the place of honor at a Passover meal so that he could wash the feet of his disciples. He turned out to be the kind of king who instead of marrying and having sons to continue the line of the king of David, would instead go to the cross so that we might all be adopted into God's family. Apparently, many of the people there who were willing to acknowledge Jesus as king either hadn't heard or hadn't been paying close attention to the kinds of things he had been saying for years prior to that Palm Sunday, the kinds of things he had been teaching about selfless self-sacrifice, 
They didn't connect the dots between the Son of God who would rescue the people and the Son of Man who would teach the way of a cross-carrying life. They didn't understand that to shout welcome to this king that morning was also to place oneself under the discipling tutelage of a rabbi like no other. They looked at Jesus from a purely political perspective, not realizing that he had come to transform every aspect of their lives. And so they revealed their lives to be rather disintegrated. And they weren't alone because we know as the events of Holy Week would go on to unfold that even those who had been listening closely to Jesus' teaching, who had spent years with him, at some point in that week would turn and flee because things were just getting too dangerous and too dicey. And now rather than shake our heads at their apparent cluelessness, this story provides an opportunity for us to hold a mirror up to our own lives. Because our lives and even our faith are always at risk of becoming fragmented, of becoming disintegrated. We face the danger and the temptation of of looking at Jesus in just a certain way or only for certain things or at certain times. Somehow forgetting that that our faith, that our relationship with Christ is meant to, to inform and transform every element of our lives. During these weeks together in the season of Lent, we've looked at the various aspects and facets of our lives. We've recognized how in each and every one of them, there's, there's a very real danger that neglect will take a toll. The neglect will lead to the breaking down and disrepair of what was helpful and useful and beautiful and holy. We've used this chapel scene to remind us of the costs of negligence We've used the same scene to remind us of the beauty of restoration, of things have, has, have been made right and come back to life and to useful purpose. We remind ourselves that there's work for us to do, but that chief among those works is to submit ourselves fully to God, knowing that as we do so, we find ourselves in the hands of a master artist, skilled in the work of restoration. We looked at our lives with Jesus as we came to the table and heard again his call to remain in him, to abide in him. We were reminded that just as a branch pulled away from a grapevine cannot produce any fruit at all, that if we are not closely connected to Christ, our Savior, abiding in him, our lives will become broken and fruitless. We explored the inner life. We looked inside ourselves to see how negligence might be resulting in brokenness that seeps out from the inside out. To see if there have been ways that we've been focusing on outward appearances when inside there is chaos and brokenness. We examined our relationship with God, this vertical life we share with our creator. We realized that because we can't see God, sometimes we don't pay attention to God. And the season of Lent invites us to reflect on the question, how is it between us and our creator God? Then we shifted our focus to consider the people in the, in the inner orbit of our lives, those friends and family who are closest to us, to consider how is the state of those relationships and are there ways that neglect there has resulted in brokenness and fracture. Then we pushed the circle out a bit further to include our, our neighbors our coworkers, those who are students with us, 
those out in the world to consider how are we doing in those relationships. And during these weeks together, we've discovered that neglect in any one of these areas can, can result in a life that fails to live up to the kind of life that Jesus calls us to, but also by his spirit at work in us, empowers us to live. Every one of these aspects of our lives deserves and requires our attention, our focused effort if we're gonna continue to grow, to stay fresh, to remain supple, to grow in our yielding in fuller submission to God's work in our lives as the master artist. But these aspects of our lives don't exist in isolation. They're not fully independent from one another. It's possible we could be hard at work in one or even more of these areas of our lives, doing what we can, submitting to God to do the things only he can do, and still miss the connections between these areas. The people outside Jerusalem that day who were waving palm branches and flinging their coats down didn't seem to necessarily understand that welcoming Jesus, trying to remain close to him, was actually going to transform their inner lives, would actually turn upside down their relationship with the world and shape their relationships with one another. This morning, we're going to spend some time reflecting on the connections between these areas of our own lives. As we consider our lives as people created in God's image and called by Jesus to follow him as our Lord. On the way in this morning, you should have received one of these uh, yellow cards. Those of you joining online, this, is, this card is available as a, an attachment on the services page of our website. And you'll see around the center of this page, uh, just those same areas that I just talked about that we've been studying and spending time in over Lent. Our abiding life as disciples of Christ, our inner life, our relationship with self, the vertical life, our relationship with God, our orbital life with family and friends, and our outward life as we live in the world, sent as light to the world. As you consider these areas, you'll recognize that they are indeed distinct, but I don't think we should think of these as as unconnected rooms of a house. These are rooms that have hallways and passages and, and and adjoining doors between them. Or maybe it's even better to think of this as, as a courtyard, an open space with boundaries that, that blend and blur. And so as we consider one area of our life, we see that it can't help but impact another. Even though all these dynamics are constantly in play in our life, we need to consider the interrelationship between them as well if we're going to be whole holy, integrated people. And so this morning, I'm gonna invite you to take a few minutes and use this handout however you want. Hopefully you have something to write with, but you might uh, draw some circles or shapes or lines. You might add some words. Use it however you'd want to, to reflect on either the state of your life as you'd see it now, where is the God might be calling you to work, or, or maybe use this time to... Um, present somehow a better future that you believe God has in store for you? What might life look like after you submit more fully to the master artist of restoration? As you look at these areas, what catches your attention? 
And what, God, what might God want to be doing? Are there waterways that God wants to, to build between these areas so that water is freely flowing? Are there walls between them he wants to tear down? I invite you to take two or three minutes now, reflect and pray and sketch and doodle as God's spirit leads you. And we'll close in prayer. Thank you.
pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for this time, and I pray that you would continue to work in us on those things that uh, you've put your finger on this morning in our lives. Lord Jesus, as we welcome you today as our King, as we herald you as Messiah, would you help us make sure that we, that we let you define what those titles mean? We let you show us what it means for you to be king of our lives, to be savior and Lord in our lives. Stretch our understanding of what it means for us to live lives that honor you as king and that embrace you as savior. Lord, grow us in every aspect of our lives so that our lives may be holy before you. Make us to be whole people so that we can offer our lives wholly to you. Keep our eyes on you, Jesus, as the events of this holy week continue to unfold, as we continue to remember and reflect. And as your perfect will and good plans for us continue to unfold in our lives. We ask this and we pray in your holy name. Amen.